What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and today we are talking about anxiety and how do we practically address anxiety in our life. Now, remember, anxiety is not simply that you care about something or that you have concern for something. In fact, I showed you in our last episode that care and concern are legitimate biblical actions, that if you're a beach bum for Jesus, remember the type of person, they're free spirited, they don't care, they don't plan, they're not thinking ahead, they're not saving for retirement. It's like, that's a lot of fun today, but that lifestyle catches up with you. And biblically, it's not warranted. We saw that the members in the body of Christ are to care for one another. We saw that Timothy had concern for the Philippians in ways that were unusual. So we do see that care and concern are appropriate. But when it is an over-concern, now we're talking about anxiety. So grab your Bibles again. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. This is where we landed in our last episode. Matthew chapter 6 is... a uh, infamous passage about anxiety because Jesus teaches on it here. And with this passage, we see that anxiety is spoken of as being wrong. So care and concern are legitimate, but anxiety is wrong. And despite what your tendency may be, or maybe you would just couch it under the language of your own personal tendencies, uh, perhaps you've heard it described as a disorder or a mental illness of generalized anxiety disorder, whatever you're bringing to that term, Jesus says that there is a sinful anxiety and you need to be aware of that. So when I read a, a Matthew chapter six, there is a sense in which I can't come away and say, well, but my anxiety is legitimate or I can't do anything about mine. It's, it's okay. Uh, Jesus says very clearly, verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. That last category of anxiety, I have to hear that this is something that's sinful before the Lord. And in categorizing it like that, there actually is a lot of hope that that brings. This isn't an illness that I'm suffering with. This is a sin that I'm struggling with. And it's understandable that I may struggle with it. Many of us are facing problems and many of us are facing pressures. But the challenge is that in those problems and pressures, we're to take them to the Lord. So a way to discern between a concern and a care and between anxiety is what am I doing with it? If that care or concern is terminating with me, then the reality is that this most likely is anxiety. I most likely am being anxious about this care and concern because I have to fix it. I have to muscle my way up. I have to save more, take another shift. I have to, I have to, I have to. Yes, that's anxiety. Yet when I take my care and concern to the Lord, I know that it may actually be a legitimate care and concern and not anxiety because I'm not worried about it in the end. I know that God is in control. So the idea of a cul-de-sac versus a thoroughfare. Anxiety is a cul-de-sac. 
All of the efforts terminate on you. All the responsibility terminates on you. The only hope of getting it done correctly terminates on you. That's anxiety, and it's sinful, according to Jesus. Yet concerns and cares, they're a thoroughfare because I say, you know what? I should probably pay my mortgage off at some point in my life, and I'm making diligent effort to do so. I should probably save for retirement so that doesn't surprise me later in life, and I'm showing diligent effort to do so. That's something that I'm ultimately trusting to the Lord, though. I'm not worried about retirement. I'm not worried about my house, but I am showing care and concern for those things. When you have cares and concerns, you bring them to the Lord ultimately, but when you have anxiety, you are the Lord ultimately. You functionally take his place. You become God. You become the sustainer. You become the one that is providentially working all things according to your end. And it is an overwhelming task. No wonder why some of us are run through because we are riddled with anxiety. That's what it's like when we try to do God's job. We try to be God and we can't and we're overwhelmed. You can actually have panic attacks where it feels like you're suffocating because of too much anxiety in your life. It feels like you're having a heart attack. What is that saying? It's even your own body saying, look, you can't be God. And it's not always an exciting way for your body to tell you that you can't be God. For those of us, if you've ever experienced severe anxiety and you started to have chest pains, it's a reminder that you're finite and God is infinite. You're small and God is big. So when I understand anxiety as that, it makes perfect sense why Jesus says it's wrong. It's wrong. Like what you're doing is wrong. It's sinful. It, it's a mild form of atheism. It's you trying to be the Lord ultimately. And God and his kindness overwhelms us. God and his kindness doesn't let us get sleep when we're trying to take his place. God and his kindness allows chest pains that feels like I'm about to suffocate as a reminder that I need to trust him and I need to go to him. I want to give you biblical remedies for dealing with your anxiety. And I want to start directly on the heels of understanding anxiety as truly being sinful, something that I need to repent of. So step one, when we understand that this is a sin issue, not an illness, not a disease, not a personal tendency that I have, when I understand this is a sin issue, I have to see that repentance is necessary. As Christians, we repent from sin. You know that. I don't repent of an illness. I don't repent of the flu. I repent of sins in my life, and so should you. What's hopeful in identifying something as being sinful is not that we wallow in the grotesqueness of sin, but that we say, you know what, there is a remedy for sin in God through Christ. Jesus Christ came to offer atonement for your sins. If I couch anxiety in medical terminology, I often lose the importance of repentance and turning away from it. When I repent of something according to the scripture, I'm not just acknowledging its wrongness. That's confession. That's acknowledgement. When I repent of something, I turn away from it. I intentionally turn away from anxiety to something else. So repentance at a very rudimentary level acknowledges that anxiety is something that is sinful. It is something that's an infraction against the character of God. It is something that is injurious to me. And I have to be able in some way to say, yes, this is wrong and I must turn from it. Step one as a biblical remedy for anxiety is that I repent of anxiety. I go to the Lord and say something like, Lord, please forgive me for worrying when you are in complete control. 
please forgive me for thinking that I can do your job and I can't. Would you help me to exhibit greater trust in you? Number one, when we experience anxiety, we must repent of it. Number two, when struggling with anxiety, we must understand the nature and the character of God. That's, that's what Transformed is all about to a certain degree. Our series, this show, the TV series, it's been entirely about helping people see the character of God because that's what the Bible does. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does this. Let's start back in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. When Jesus brings up anxiety and says it's wrong, he then moves to this idea that you need to look at the birds and understand that God feeds the birds. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This next example is consider the grass. Some of you live in very lush areas where the grass is evident of God's kindness. In Southern California, we get green grass two months out of the year. It's typically January and February. And when we look at the grass, we're reminded of God's beauty and God's kindness. Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field, look at the natural beauty, and see that God is the one that clothes the grass. He's the provider. We're going to see in verse 32 that Jesus mentions that God knows. In a very real way, Jesus takes those listening to the Sermon on the Mount back to the character of God and says, the reason why you're not anxious is because you understand the character of God. When you understand that God knows, that God provides, that God is good, that God is strong, that God is capable, he's in control, then what happens is your anxiety slowly goes away. There's a sense in which I don't try to take control of something when I know someone more competent than myself is in control. You know what? They got it, and I'm actually thankful they got it. I don't have to worry about it. That's what it's like with the character of God. When you genuinely understand who God is, you recognize that he's better at this than you are, that he's going to manage it in a way that's more copious and more accurate. God is not going to fail. It's not going to be something that he exhibits an oversight and says, you know what? I was concerned with everyone else and failed to get to your exact issues today. Sorry about that. When you understand the character of God, it crushes your anxiety. It suffocates it in the sense that you say, well, I I know God's good and I know God's in control and I know God knows he's omniscient. Well, then why in the world would I ever try to step in and take his place? I need to understand who God is in his character. To use our 2 Corinthians 3.18, kind of the hallmark passage of this entire show, it's about beholding the character of God and then being like him in that way. So behold God's character, behold his bigness. So step one, when we are struggling with anxiety, and this is in fact anxiety, not concerns, not cares, but I am anxious, I need to repent of it. Number two, I need to understand who God is. And number three, I need to take my cares to him. So we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, I'll pick up with number three, the point, we're going to take our cares to the Lord. We'll be right back. 
Okay, now, before we get back to Dr. Gifford sharing more wisdom on tackling anxiety, I want to take a quick second, just a moment, to tell you about a resource that you can find at the Transform store at transform.org. It's a book called Trusting God by Jerry Bridges, and this book is a gem, and it's perfect for anyone who is struggling with anxiety right now. You can kick anxiety to the curb like Dr. Gifford's talking about. Listen to this quote from the book. The way to overcome anxiety is to consider the steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord and then to trust Him. Short, simple, but extremely profound. When we have those moments of anxiety, we can turn to God's love and trust Him to carry us through it. You can find Trusting God by Jerry Bridges in the Transform store, again, at transformed.org. And hey, while you're there checking out all of our resources at transformed.org, would you mind considering maybe possibly becoming a gospel partner? Because by doing that, you can help us continue producing episodes of Transformed which we certainly hope is helping others find healing through the Bible. So if you want to learn more about becoming a gospel partner, just head over to transformed.org. Let me ask you a question. Are you interested in becoming a biblical counselor? Local churches all over the country are in desperate need of biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. And look, if you want to get started on that journey to becoming a biblical counselor, we've got you covered. We have some top-notch training resources on our website as well. One of those that I'm really excited about is Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. It's by Paul David Tripp. And this book, it teaches you how to walk alongside others in their pain while you point them to Jesus. And sometimes that can be a tricky road to walk. We can find ourselves veering into another lane than the lane we're intended to be in. Listen to what you're going to find inside Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. Tripp says, quote, We must not offer people a system of redemption, a set of insights or principles. We offer people a Redeemer. Again, another book with another quote that is short and simple but so profound instruments in the Redeemer's hands. You can find that along with other resources that can help you get started on your journey to becoming a biblical counselor. It's all at transformed.org. Now, the last thing that I want to share with you is if you are struggling with something, an emotional struggle of any kind, don't be shy about it. Reach out to Dr. Gifford. Shoot him an email at greg at transformed.org. Make sure you include your name and who knows, you might even hear him answer your question on a future episode of Transformed. Again, that's greg at transformed.org. All right, now we go back to the man himself, Dr. Gifford, as he continues to dive deeper into overcoming anxiety with the help of God's Word. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. to Transformed. We've been talking about anxiety and biblical remedies for addressing our anxiety. I've said that, number one, when we are talking about anxiety in the biblical sense, it is something we need to repent of. Number two, we need to behold the character of God and understand who He is. And then number three, we need to take our cares to Him so that they don't become anxieties. 
If you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, grab it, open it up, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. I used this passage last episode to describe that cares are something that we should actually bring to the Lord. This term for anxieties that's used here is the same term that Jesus uses in Matthew 6. It's the same term that Paul uses in Philippians 2. Verse 6 of 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One of the things that we do with our concerns to keep them as a concern is to bring them to the Lord. When you are anxious, you're not bringing your concerns to the Lord. It's terminating on you. Remember, anxiety is a cul-de-sac. It all terminates. Like you have to fix it. You have to stay up late. You have to work harder and you're anxious. But whenever you have a concern, it's still a pressure in your life, but yet you bring that as a thoroughfare to the Lord and you understand you can't do it. Ultimately, he has to. And yes, you're going to work hard, but God has to make the plan sure that no matter how hard you work to build the house, God is the one that has to build the house. So the labor is laboring in vain, the psalmist says, or the watchman stays awake in vain unless God does that work. And when we understand this, we bring our concerns to the Lord. Practically speaking, in biblical counseling, I honestly couldn't tell you how many times I've met with folks for the sake of anxiety and understanding anxiety and and anxiety pressures and everything from extremes of panic attacks to milder anxiety that seems to be less of a dramatic influence on their life. In almost all of those instances, we in some way have to go and identify what is it exactly that you're anxious about? What is that? What is that thing that bothers you? What is it that keeps you up at night? For some, it's finances. It's the pressure of bills that are coming or sustaining a certain lifestyle. For others, it's family. They have adult kids moving away. They have adult kids not walking with the Lord. They have wayward young children. For others, it's vocational pressures. Uh, They feel like their job's kind of on the brink of being ended. Their company is selling. Uh, There's multiple things that add that pressure. In each of those situations, you have to identify what is it that you're tempted to be anxious about. And when you've done that, now you say, okay, well, what do I need to entrust to the Lord and what do I need to be faithful to here? That's what I mean with step three. Take your cares to him. If you don't know why you're anxious, if you haven't sat down to articulate that, you need to first of all say, well, this is what's tempting me to be anxious. I have this job transition that's coming up and it's quite concerning to me. I may be relocated. All right, great. Let's talk about that. In identifying that, ask the question, what do I need to entrust to the Lord and what do I personally need to be faithful to? If you can't discern that, then we may need to get the help of another wise brother or sister in Christ, a biblical counselor. Let's get them involved to help discern what is it that you need to be faithful to and what do you need to entrust the Lord. But for step three, identify the things that are tempting you to be anxious and then ask, what do I need to entrust to God and what do I need to be faithful to? Lastly is the idea of being faithful to your responsibilities. So number one, I said is if this is in fact anxiety, Let's ensure that we treat it as any other sin and we repent of it. Number two, behold the character of God. Number three, take your concerns and your cares to him so they don't become anxieties. And number four, be faithful to your responsibilities. So it would not be a helpful and or biblical contribution for me to make to your life if you heard me say, 
you know what? Go to Bermuda. Beach vacation. Woohoo! The reality is that you do need to exercise diligence and foresight and hard work. The Bible commends all of those. I would be unfaithful to you if I said, you know what? Who cares? All that stuff will just figure itself out. You know, like just go have fun. Go do whatever impulsively comes to your mind today. Spend it, buy it, travel to it, eat it, whatever it is, go do that. Because on the back side, we do recognize that God has called us to be faithful to the responsibilities he's entrusted to us. So I used this example last episode, and I'll use it again today. Mortgages. Boo. It's about the most boring thing in my life, talking about mortgage and interest and principal payments and all of that. But yet it is an important part of my life. In fact, for most of us, our mortgage is typically our largest monthly bill. If I were to say, you know what, I'm not going to be anxious about my mortgage and when I pay it off, like who cares? I'm taking that money that I would pay to my mortgage and I'm going to go out to eat. We're going to travel this month. I'm going to go put a down payment on a sweet new ride. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not worried about my mortgage anymore. Innately, you would think something like, well, Dr. Gifford, like I I don't think that's going to work out in the end. Like you might get two or three months like that. But in the end, I honestly think the bank's going to want their money. And you would be right. It would actually be unfaithful for me to say, you know what? I'm going to take that money that I would pay to my mortgage and I'm just going to go splurge. We're traveling this week. Come on, family. Come on, friends. But I don't want to be anxious about it, right? So the antidote to anxiety is not carelessness. It's not to be free-spirited and beach bums for Jesus. It's to say, you know what? We're going to be faithful to what God has called us to do while entrusting the results of that to God. In a very practical way, identify what your responsibilities are. When you're tempted to be anxious, articulate what you need to roll over onto the Lord. That's 1 Peter 5, 7, what care you need to roll over onto him. And then articulate what you need to do, your responsibility. So I can say with certainty, it is my responsibility to pay my mortgage payment. That's not your responsibility, although you're welcome to do that. It's my responsibility. And in that way, I am going to be faithful to what God has called me to do. When you consider the areas of life that tempt you to be anxious, you have to be able to say, well, you know what? This is my responsibility and I need to be faithful to do that. But that is not. Many times what gives us anxiety is that we are taking on more responsibility than we should. And we have to in some way say, you know what? I can't control that. I can't control the future of my health. I'm not that powerful. I can't control the spiritual walk of my children. I am not that powerful. I can't control the wins and the finances of my employer. I am not that powerful. I have to be able to, in some way, identify that as a concern that I'm rolling over onto the Lord. But what I can do is be a good steward of my body to the best of my ability. I can be a positive spiritual influence in my children's lives, but I have to trust the Lord to be the one to do the work. I can be a hard worker at my job and attempt to be valuable to them, but I can't control if they want to keep me or want to jettison me. I I can't control those things. To biblically address your anxiety, clarify what is your responsibility and then be faithful to it. 
Once you've done that, listeners, I, I can assure you that now you actually have practical traction to move forward. You see, we get paralyzed in our anxiety. We're overthinking, overanalyzing. We're taking on more responsibility that is actually God's. And we have to be able to say, no, that's God's. This is what he's called me to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And that alone is what I'm going to do. I am not going to attempt to take his place. In these four steps, I don't want to pretend like, hey, these easy four steps for $9.99 is going to change your life. I, w- I wish it were that easy. I wish I could drop 40 bucks and, and my anxiety would be gone. And I'm sure you think the same thing to, well, at certain occasions. But the reality is that it's not overly complicated either. When I identify the things that are tempting me to be anxious and I proactively entrust them to the Lord while being faithful, that's not rocket science. I just, I can't do it in my own strength. I need God's grace and I need God's spirit to enable me. Apart from the grace of God and his spirit enabling me to trust him, I won't. I'll fret, I'll worry, I'll lose sleep, I'll over plan, I'll be a control freakazoid, and I'll mess all the relationships up in my life. So I need God's help to be able to practice these things. So they're clear, they're not complicated, but it doesn't mean that I can do them without the spirit of God and the grace of God in my life. And that is the biblical remedies for anxiety. Let me do this. Let me pray for you guys. I know that anxiety is not, you know, follow these four things and you're anxious free now, but let me pray for you that God would work in your life so that these four steps actually provide clarity to you and actually bring a level of relief to you in the process. Lord, I do pray for the listeners and I know that there are folks that are at times just plagued with anxiety. I've counseled enough to see that. And yet I also know that your character is true and who you are is something that is transformative to our own life to include anxiety. May you reveal yourself, as I've prayed many times on this show, that the listener would see you in ways that are accurate through your word. And in the context of anxieties, would you free certain individuals? They've been plagued by worries and fears and anxieties for years. Would you set them free in light of your character and proactive trust in your character so that they would no longer be anxious They would no longer be fretful, fearful, worrisome, but they would be free and they would experience the joy and the peace that comes from knowing who you are and actively trusting. Lord, we ask these things because they're not easy. Uh, We've developed patterns and habits of thinking and, and living that have made it easy for us to be anxious. So we ask for your help and we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 